Hello and welcome to the Foxy Property Chat Podcast. I'm your host, Jake Shorter, and it is my job to interview successful home staging business owners so that we can learn the tips, tricks, and strategies that we can then apply in our own business. Today, I have another returning guest, the second time that we've had somebody on the show twice. This time, it's Adam Luttrell from Shift Property Styling in Hobart. Adam's first time on the podcast was just over 12 months ago, and as of right now, it's still the most downloaded and listened to podcast that we've ever had. So I've uh, laid the uh, challenge for him to see how this second one goes. In this chat, we talk a lot about COVID-19 and the impact that it has had and is having on his business, um, but also what initiatives and changes they're implementing or going to implement coming out of it uh, to, to change the business so it's ready for the future. I also wanted to know a little bit more about the 100% styling guarantee that Shift Property Styling offers to their clients. Uh, and in particular, we talk a bit about how the perceived risk of offering a guarantee like that um, compares to the reality of how it is actually, you know, the, the actual reality of um, that risk and how it plays out. I don't want to waste any more time, so let's dive right into this chat with Adam Luttrell. Adam, welcome back to the Foxy Property Chat Podcast. Thanks, Jake. Good to be back. Yes, uh, as uh, we mentioned in the intro, you have been on before. I actually went and looked back. It was the 25th of June um, wow. in 2019, and it's as we we're talking right now on the 1st of July, so uh, very close to 12 months ago. Um, and I didn't tell you this before we hit record, but you're actually the reigning champion in terms of the most downloaded episode that we've had on the uh, the podcast. So you still hold that top spot for now. We'll uh, see how round two goes. <laughs> well, it's a bit humbling, isn't it? Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, you don't you don't get a, a medal or a, a prize oh, or anything. A certificate. I'm sorry, but uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, look, maybe yeah, maybe I'll look at uh, working something up on the printer. But um, obviously, people got some value out of that one. Um, so well, round great. two was definitely on the cards, and uh, here we are. So uh, I'm going to dive in. Um, as I said, it's been pretty much 12 months. So what I'd first like to start with, and obviously we're still kind of coming out of the impacts of the coronavirus and feeling that. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. But first, um, I just wanted you to sum up how you've kind of gone in the past year since we last spoke, um, coronavirus impacts aside. Um, how have you found from a business point of view uh, in terms of you know your growth, your team, anything like that? What, how would you sum up the last 12 months? Well, I guess firstly, I mean, we no one would have uh, predicted 12 months ago when we last spoke that we would be uh, going through what we've gone in the last, you know, four four months in particular. Um, I think it's been uh, it's been a really tough period for for everyone, not just you know property styles, but you know the business, the area of um, just having work come into you and and just sort of taking work and, and getting stuff done has sort of dramatically changed the the landscape is transformed dramatically and the playing market is is very different too it's much more competitive and uh i guess that's one of the things that we've discovered very very quickly is that um we had to duck and weave a fair bit to make sure that you know we were getting our share of of the the work that was available here in our market and that wouldn't be different from anyone else um and making sure we're just sort of value adding wherever we can to ensure that you know our, our product or our service was seen as probably one of the better ones available in the market and has there been, if I, I'll, I'll leave it a little bit broad, but from, as you said, kind of end of June last year to now, has there been any one um, change, initiative, idea that you've implemented that you're either, you know, proud of the impact um, or quite, 
you know, surprised maybe at how well it's done? Is there, and to give you a little bit of thinking time, an example might be, you know, you've, you've hired a particular person that's just made the world a difference or processes that you've put in um, all the way up to, you know, a, a change in, in the service that you offer. Is there anything that comes to mind, any one thing that kind of stands out? Look, I think one of the things that we experienced very early on was that, you know, when we uh, felt this um, this impact starting to come through, and we, we sort of we were getting senses of it even late in December, just after Christmas there, um, that things were going to change pretty rapidly. Um, I think some of the better things we did was start to look at what our um, team members were doing and, and their roles within the business. We knew that if this was going to be a big impact, then, you know, we wanted to carry through the team as we knew it and we had to make sure that we could do that. Financially, that's a that's a big drain. You know, I think a majority of us who have got a, a team would acknowledge that, um, you know, wages are a, a pretty big part of our outgoing. So we had to look at what they were doing and determine what they what else they could do should the, job, the jobs just simply dry up. So for us, it, the number one thing we wanted to do was to carry the team through, make sure we had the team. Because at the end of the day, too, when things get better, we wanted to make sure we had the trained, good quality people ready to go. I think, you know, it's really hard to make a decision to let people go and then have to retrain someone else back when things improve. Yeah, uh, I think. Sorry, you can do. Yeah, no, no. It was, it was. It's more that you know we had to reskill them to to know that they could do certain other things in in the warehouse or within you know out in the marketplace that would you know change the way we, we, we do things. We deployed another small business called um, Shift Event Studio. One of our um, staff members, Phoebe, she's a you know she's a trained graphic artist who is one of our stylists. So we've we, we looked at different opportunities that exist sideways of our business to make sure that we had something for her to do. You know, we made sure that our guys in the warehouse had um, work. We invested in things like, um, you know, high-quality spray guns and built spray booths within the warehouse so we could go through a process of repatriation of furniture and things like that. And, and deploying those kind of things meant that we had um, plenty of work to do and plenty of, um, plenty of tasks to complete. They actually helped us on the other side. Yeah, I agree with all of that. Um, and I think... That I guess it's been more um, prominent through the coronavirus sort of couple of months um, in particular, but uh, I think that's that comment is relevant at all times in terms of you know you, you want to hold on to your good people that, and look at upskilling, look at um, yeah everybody's different, everybody's motivation is different um, in your team. So what somebody might be happy doing could change over time, you know. So it's important that if somebody is valuable to your team, you you need to do what you can to to hold on to them, to make sure that they're being, you know, challenged and rewarded and feel like they're, you know, I guess valuable. Um, and obviously, the, as you said, the coronavirus made it a little bit more difficult to hold on to those people. But we did the same thing, you know, we committed up front that nobody would be you know, let go. Uh, we've uh, of our we've got full time staff here, so we held on to all of them. Um, and knowing that we were going to come out of it, and you know, the world would obviously be different, but we'd go back to some level of normalcy uh, in our business operations, and that the team we had before coronavirus was going to be the same team that we would need beyond it. So I think that's an important point. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we, we sort of we, we made sure that um, the guys that we had understood that too, because you know these people are important to your business. They're the, they're the core and, and the central structure of what we do. And if we lose them, you know you you can't go back to that normalcy that you mentioned because 
you you have to actually go through a fairly rigorous process of finding good quality people again. So, you know, we instead, you know, halted all our orders. Any existing outstanding order was put on hold, you know, because the value of that furniture is nothing compared to the value of the people that actually lift it and carry it or style it or, you know, put it into properties for us. So that was um, that was probably our, our big, big thing during the process uh, just to ensure that we, we had um, an outlet to go through to at the end. Yep. No, and I think that's like, a good point. Things like JobKeeper, you know, we, we went on to that straight away too. We, you know, Doniel was straight onto it and made sure that, you know, our guys were covered, that we were covered, that, you know, that we could keep operating um, as, as, as normal as possible with as little impact to people as possible in, in ways of, you know, a means of hours and, and pay structure too. Yeah, we did the same. And I think um, something that we we spoke about beforehand as well was the timing was obviously a little bit um, yeah unknown, obviously. we, we th- When this sort of all kicked off in terms of lockdowns and things like that and obviously seeing a drop in the market um, and you had things like open homes being cancelled or public open homes and, and auctions and those sort of things, that's when you know, our industry felt it the hardest or the, the biggest. Um, and at that point, we didn't know if it was going to be you know, a month, if it was going to be six months or, or longer. And that's where you really had to kind of pull up what you were doing and make sure that you put yourself into, you know, as the PM used the terminology hibernation. Um, and we've started seeing, and I'm, I'm kind of jumping around here, but um, let's let's dive into it. Um, we're kind of seeing that the market is starting to improve for us as a business, at least already. Uh, we had a couple of quieter months in in April and May, and June's turned out to to start, you know, to be quite a good month for us. Um, and July's yep. looking good as well. So from that point of view, when you you kind of go and look at your cost structure and you cut out what look like unnecessary costs in order to, as you say, preserve your team, um, job keeper payments come in and help those sort of things. You're you're pausing orders, maybe you're you know looking at those orders again and deciding you know what sort of priority should you put on those? Can some be cancelled? Can some be deferred? All of those things are good from an operational point of view, um, you know, to improve your efficiency of your business and your cash flow. And the fact that it seems to have at least for now turned around quite quickly, you know, it's only really been a couple of months of, of slower um, kind of operations. Um, you know, we've found at least that we're coming out of it and going, well, we didn't spend as much money in those months as we normally would on new furniture. We had the JobKeeper to help. Now we're actually in a spot where we're trying to find ways to, you know, get ready for the next six months. And that might mean investing more than we otherwise would have. Is that kind of similar to you? Yeah, look, absolutely. And we, we found ourselves um, investing back in stock again all of a sudden. Um, you know, we, we, the the furniture that we did have here in the warehouse has sort of um, progressed back out to, to jobs um, quite quite rapidly. And you're right, during June we had a, you know, we had a quite a, a good month with uh, stock going out and jobs going out. Um, you know, we, we, we've actually invested back in stock um, for other purposes too. We found that, you know, um, during the quieter times while you're talking to people, we're finding people who are wanting to spend money on um, before end of, you know, financial year on things like, um, you know, reception waiting rooms and things like that. And so we've actually better keep the guys busy in, in that respect as well. You know, just going out and finding a few jobs here and there where you just – you know, maybe styling something as simple as a, a you know, an agent's reception area or a, a doctor's waiting room or something like that, which, you know, keeps your relationship with suppliers going. It keeps um, the, the, our um, team members rolling and it gives us an opportunity to try something a little bit different. And I think diversification, I think if, if you're not looking at diversification, um, well, if you haven't been looking at diversification, you're probably missing out on a great deal of opportunity as well. 
Yeah, and I think that, again, that's one of those comments that has been highlighted through this period, but it's probably you know, relevant at all times. It's it's important yeah. to look at that diversification, um, you know, different sources of income and revenue uh, and what, what else you can do as a team. Um, what has been, if you, if you think, I guess you look forward a little bit from now, is there anything that has you think changed in your business permanently because of the last couple of months that um, either because of the industry changing or just something that you've implemented um, in your business? Anything that you can think of that's a permanent change? I think um, I think one of the things that we've all realised is that, you know, we had a – I think most of us had a really good um, – you know, we have a good business idea. We've got a, a, a good strategy behind business, you know. But what, what we probably came um, around to think is that a lot of the work that we're provided is just handed to us. You know, we, we kind of get that. We build up, particularly when it's busy. We kind of get to that point where we expect the business to roll in, and and you know, you suddenly look at it when things dry up, and you go. You know, we can't always rely on being spoon-fed. We've actually got to make sure we go back to some of our basics and, and look at our marketing and make sure that's all in check, that we're providing the right service at a right price, that we're offering the right type of product for the right type of property, that we're providing the auxiliary services and whatever they may be. You know, we do a, a service, for example, where we go out on a Saturday morning, um, we have someone that rushes around the, the open homes that we have our furniture in. And they go around with a key and they open up, they put on lights, put on music, um, put on heaters, particularly this time of the year, um, and do all those kind of um, pre-open home inspections. And that's where we get engagement with the agents as well. They see that happening and they rock up and it's warm. So we we were looking back at all those things that we'd probably not forgotten, but we hadn't polished as well as we probably should have over time. Um, And that's been a big changer for us because we look back at how we communicate and how we talk and how we look at each job on its individual basis instead of just, you know, sausage factory styling going in and out. And that's been really good for us because we've looked at our seasonality of stock. We've looked at how we work with with agents and work with property owners and things in a much, much deeper kind of way. And that's been a really good reflection for us to determine how we should be going forward again. I think you've touched on something there that is um you know that stuck out to me and i think it's a really important point that we're exactly the same you know especially when you get into those months where things are happening quite quickly you know spring in particular is the obvious one but it's so easy to just sit back and you know you get in the phone calls you get in the emails inquiries you know your referrals through agents all those things are happening and like you said it's it's easy to be to get caught or complacent a little bit um and have that work expected to come to you because it often does um, and yeah, we, we've done the same thing. You know, you'll, you'll hit a week. Um, yeah, this is in our experience. We'll hit a week where our number of jobs for that particular week really drop off or we see, you know, some, some work that we quoted on that we missed out on, um, go to, to another stylist or, you know, things like that happen. And you start thinking, you know, should I be doing more? And, and absolutely the answer is yes. And it's just one of those things that's often difficult and it goes to the wayside when you're busy, but it's, you know, it's easy to build those relationships and start having work come to you, but that can't be enough. You know, we should always be thinking about what else can I be doing to, to go and attract more work or new agents or, you know, build, build our brand or, as you say, you know, you're building, working on those relationships and other auxiliary services. I think that's a really important point that I've definitely seen in our business and it's not, I don't know that there's an easy solution other than being aware of it uh, and deliberate about it. But, um, yeah, I just wanted to highlight that because I think you're right. 
Yeah, I think that, that you've got to look at um, things that generally can communicate on a pretty wide angle. So look, we've really focused on making sure we do we commit to a monthly newsletter as well, and uh, and that's really quite old school kind of concept. But it's amazing the feedback we get on just pumping out something. Um, once a month, in a um, we use um, the uh, the issue kind of online issue magazine look and feel where you scroll through it. Um, we send that out, you know, once a month to agents and those who are subscribed, and it's it's really positive the kind of feedback we get because we include things in there about you know the standard kind of business side of things, you know, results and projects we've done and things we've, that have happened, but we also have a bit of fun with it and include a bit of behind the scenes stuff that happens at our warehouse or you know, a funny thing that may have happened at a job or, you know, and it is really harking back on um, old school direct mail kind of content, but people enjoy sitting down and just having a bit of a look at it, look at it. And, you know, suddenly we engage and suddenly we get an email from that agent that we may not have heard from for a while just to say, thanks for that. We've got a job coming up in three weeks. Are you interested in having a look at it? And, you know, that's, that's gold. Yeah, I agree. it's it's amazing how often that'll happen as well. Um, you know, a different version of that is just the the phone calls. Um, yeah. Often it's one of those scary things people don't want to do, or again, it's one of those things that disappears when you when you get busy. But it's so it's it's a surprising in a way, but it's just every time we go and make another batch of those phone calls to just to say hello or you know touch base with agents that we've done work for in a while but haven't heard from, and like you say, the response is often, or you know, part of the response is, oh, by the way, I've got a couple of quotes, a couple of jobs coming up for you. Yeah. And you just, sometimes I sit back and wonder, would we have heard otherwise? You know, it's such a simple thing to pick up the phone or a newsletter or an email. Um, and, and like I said, they're, they're simple to do, but they're also very easy not to do when you, you get busy. But we always find some sort of positive result from that sort of um, communication. I think that um, a lot of the time we sort of, uh, we assume that agents in particular who refer work to us um, think about us all the time when in actual reality they don't. They, they may they may think about you as a job comes up, but we're not necessarily always top of mind. You know, that they have other things they've got to do. They've got to, you know, they've got to commit to getting the campaign done, photograph, they've got to try and get the job themselves, you know, get that contract themselves. They've probably in a lot of cases do a little bit of maintenance to the property, or whatever. But sometimes I think the agent is so wound up in things they quite often don't styling's not always top of mind for them. And so we've got to kind of keep refreshing their memory that A, that styling is important, valuable, and, you know, connects with buyers and generates a, a result. But also that we are, you know, we're an important part of that marketing component for them as well. So, you know, I, I think touching base, you know, particularly when it's quiet and building up that rapport again is just, um, you know, incredibly valuable. Yep, couldn't agree more. Um, I want to change uh, direction a little bit. Um, one of the things that you have done at Shift uh, or had done before all of the coronavirus was you ran a workshop um, in your warehouse and, and I'll let you kind of give the details there, but essentially it was, my understanding is it's a bit of a, a how-to sort of workshop um, where people can come in and um, I guess you can talk about what that first one was. But obviously since then, um, they've had to be put on hold. I want to ask, so firstly, explain what the workshop was uh, and also how the feeling or the result was? What was the kind of speaking to people afterwards? How did you feel about it? And is it something that you might look at doing going forward? Yeah, look, we, we've always um, thought about doing this and, and it was, you know, I, I guess um, it was perfect timing in some respect that we could get it done and we were looking at doing subsequent ones, but of course got hit with the uh, with the, the corona. Um, so I think 
it, our plan was always um, to be able to give back in some form or fashion in the form of, um, you know, giving people a bit of a, um, a bit of an idea of how the process works. Donio is very, very active on social media and we, we sort of built up a, a pretty good following over time. And, of course, people always, you know, they DM or they, they comment or they post something about how do you do that, where do you find that, how do you go about that. And so that got us really thinking about how we could engage with people um, on a different level other than that of just styling a home. And so we put the concept together to the team um, and we're very fortunate, really, in that we've got a, a pretty good um, warehouse set up here, um, which allows us to have a number of really quite large um, carpeted bays. And so what we figured we'd do is do a, um, to start with, do a uh, like a, a bedroom styling course. That seems to be the most popular kind of topic um, off our socials. Um, and so what we did was uh, we got the, the warehouse guys to build some, some walls um, and we basically put um, a batch of double beds all the way through the warehouse, and there were about 15 of them in total. Um, and we limited the group to about 30 people, which, which was, was manageable for us um, with the number of staff we had here to help out. And, yeah, basically we put it out there, and I think within the first three days we'd sold out, and uh, we, we got people in and got it all underway. It was, it was a really, really um, dynamic kind of day. We had a bunch of different people from um, mums and daughters through to, I think there were three interstate stylists that flew down for it. So, you know, good number, good audience, and yeah. um, really good result. And is it something that you think you'll pick up again? It sounds like it was pretty successful. Yeah, we were we were looking at doing a an online version at one point, but um, it really just became a little bit difficult and um, and a little bit. Uh, it wouldn't have been as hands-on and it wouldn't have been uh, to the level we wanted. We really want these intimate kind of groups to come in and, and sort of touch, feel, see how it all works and, and see how it's all put together, um, picking items from inventory and, and sort of getting some exposure to how it all works and what we have to do to put a job together, but also for them to see how the process works and, and really just have a bit of fun, you know. Um, it's amazing what happens once you've had a glass of champagne to kick off with and get started. Absolutely. Um, I think it's probably something that most stylists who have a warehouse somewhere have thought about at some point um, as a, like we talked about it before, you know, different source of income potentially. So I think it's something worth um, thinking about and obviously you've had some, some success with it. So wish yeah. you all the best with that. Thank you. Yeah, it's okay. sort of it's something worth doing. If you, if you are thinking about it, it, it is something worth doing. There is a fair bit of build-up to get it done, and, and it can impact, obviously, because you've got to have a couple of days prep to get everything sorted, and then you've got to sort of manage to, to pack it all down and readiness to actually go back to business on the Monday as well. So there is a bit of labour and so on involved in it that's worth considering, and you know, you've got to make sure your insurances are all capable of making having 30 additional people in there and so on, but it is it is worthwhile. Definitely. Okay, one other thing I wanted to um, ask you about, and uh, I think we've, I might have asked you this 12 months ago before we uh, hit record, but one of the things that you have on your website that I guess is built in there to help give comfort to clients and agents is that you have this um, styling guarantee. So essentially, um, and you can correct me, I guess, if, there's, if I'm missing anything, but it's what you offer is that if somebody is you know, not quite satisfied with where the styling has ended up or, you know, whatever the wording is, um, that you'll work with them 
over a you know a short time frame to make sure that they're happy essentially. And we we have something similar. We kind of give a verbal sort of guarantee to say, look, if you're unhappy with anything within um, you know, 24, 48 hours, we're more than happy to come back and, and make some small changes. And obviously, um, the reason I'm bringing that up is because when other stylists listen or hear about something like that, I know that there are some that their first thought is, well, that's risk. You know, I'm, I'm the expert at, uh, you know, I don't want to have to style as per what my client wants, those sort of things. Um, can you maybe talk to the, the styling guarantee in terms of how you think about it and, and why it's there? Uh, and, yeah, from a from a risk or a business point of view, how what have you actually found? Like, is it because I guess just not to put words in your mouth, you know, when I look at this, something like this, we found that it's not. Firstly, it's not actually needed most of the time, almost all of the time, and secondly, it just doesn't have the level of risk that people perceive it to have. No, look, we we initially thought about this and thought, well, you know, is there value in it? You know, we we sort of try and. Um, avoid the the snobbery aspect i guess that's a horrible word but the snobbery aspect of being a stylist you know you sometimes you're seen as um being someone who you know is you know particularly egotistic about their work or, or focused on um elements of it we, we we know what we can do and we know the results and we generally speaking i would say 99.9 percent of the time don't have an issue you know there are no ramifications from it i think we, we make it clear to, to our clients that we take creative control, um, that we will introduce what we believe will best suit the audience and the buyers um, and the property for its, you know, its internal decor and its, you know, what it's designed to do and, and for its particular audience. So we're focused on making sure that we de- deliver a, a you know, high-quality job. Um, the risk that's involved in, in having an offer like that is next to nothing. I mean, I think in the time we've offered it, we may have had someone who said they didn't like a piece of artwork, you know, and so what we've done is basically replace that. And I think what it does ultimately is it gives the the end client the confidence that they, you know, they have some control in this, but without having control. So we advise the client right from the start that, that this process is to eliminate their personal kind of input. They don't need to have that because we are doing it based on our professional experience um, and the result will, will show that. But I think having a, a guarantee in there, you know, will, just shows them that they have they can have an input if they want, but they don't have any input in the, in the actual content creation. Um, but if there's anything that they can identify within the first 24 to 48 hours, of the styling going in, we're happy to work with them. And and there's no shame in that. I think, you know, we're working towards a common end goal of making sure we sell their property for them. And if we can make sure they're 100% happy rather than 95% happy, then why wouldn't we just sort of change a piece of artwork over? The times where we've had someone say something, you know, and, and maybe question something, it can be overcome by just talking them through the process and even on the phone without having to leave the office. So, you know, as long as you have purpose or a reason for, for that piece of furniture or whatever being there, then it's justified. Yep, I would echo that um, without adding too much onto it, just to say that a very uh, low percentage ever have any issues. And if they do, like you said, I would say, you know, probably 80 to 90% of those that 
have some sort of you know smaller things that they're not 100 percent happy with are mm. overcome by that conversation you know it's, it's actually pretty rare that we same same as you said you know maybe it's a piece of art maybe it's um some cushions on a sofa or you know whatever it is i'm again i'm not the stylist but uh you know I, I think it's pretty rare that we actually have to make any significant changes and like i said it's one of those things why wouldn't you just do it to to keep them happy well i think you know, if you can show that you're willing to go the extra mile, um, then you, you, you're, A, you're going to satisfy them completely that you've done the job to, to their satisfaction. Um, B, you know, they walk away with a smile on their face and more likely to refer you than you sort of coming down on them and saying, well, no, we're the professionals. We de- we'll tell you what's right. Um, because that just comes off as, as being simply arrogant. And I don't think that's what, I don't think that works for relationships. So, you know, these people have paid you to go and do the job. You know, it's not necessary for their particular style or, or liking, but, you know, they're, they're your client at the end of the day and you've got to work to make sure they're happy. You know what? This is um, kind of a little bit different, but just reminds me of something that was probably 18 months ago we had a, had some work for a, a new agent at the time um, and it was, uh, I, I'm blanking on, um, you know, the, for those that know Brisbane, the suburb or anything like that, but it was, it was quite a nice home. It was probably around the um, eight or $900,000 mark. And at the time we were quite busy and we had some, um, you know, as a new agent, we had a way of maybe uh, a particular style that we had in mind. And I remember the team did the job and then we heard from the agent and you could, I think Phoebe could just tell that they weren't a hundred percent happy with the outcome. Um, and it wasn't just, you know, a piece of art. It was, it was more than that. It was a little bit of layout. Maybe it was a particular, um, you know, sofa or something in a you know, different color. I, I don't even remember all the details, but the, the, um, short version is that the agent wasn't 100% happy. What we did is we were there literally the next morning with the, the whole team. Um, we were there with new pieces. Everything was changed over. And I can tell you that that opportunity to fix something has led to that agent using us uh, 100% of the time going forward for the last 18 months. That could have been a job where if we turned around and, and had you know tried to talk our way out of it or said, look, this is why I've done it this way and I'm not changing it, which I don't think that most listening um, would would do business like that, but I have heard of some from agents where they've gotten that response, where a stylist doesn't want to go and change it, and has basically said, "Look, the client is my, so that the seller's my client, and this is what I'm leaving it." We took the opportunity to go and make that change, and now that agent is a, a loyal agent for us and, and refers to us work all the time. So I think sometimes where things don't go 100% as planned, or you know somebody's not 100% happy, there's actually really great opportunity in that in in how you respond. I, I couldn't agree more. I think the building that relationship is the thing to show that you are flexible and that you are capable of understanding that, you know, maybe we're not always right. You know, maybe the, the layout could have been better. Maybe the furniture could have been selected better. But, you you know, quite often we choose from what we have in stock or, or what we feel will fit best given the, the circumstances. But, you know, suddenly another truckload comes in, you go, well, there's a sofa that would have worked better or, or whatever it is. But I think... The ability to be flexible and show that you actually care enough about the client and the agent relationship to make that um, that make that commitment to go, yep, we'll be back to fix that to make sure you're happy, is is an opportunity that just simply cannot be ignored. Agreed, hundred percent. Okay, Adam, I think we're going to wrap this up um, now. I asked you the rapid fire questions last last uh, time we spoke, so if yep. anybody wants to hear your responses, they can go back and listen to that one. Um, 
There was one, though, that I'm going to try again. Um, I didn't give you a heads up on this one because last time I, I said that if we ever had a round two, I would try again. And so this question, and I'm going to give you my answer first so to give you a bit of thinking time, but the question <laughs> is what is, an, <laughs> what is an unusual habit or an absurd thing that you love? Um, and, and I think last time we spoke about that we, we both like going into the warehouse on the weekend when it's quiet and you know, just get enjoyment from that. But I'm going to give you one that's a little bit weird, um, and that is I – I collect board games. Um, I, I actually really enjoy, you know, these modern board games, they call them now. And, and I actually really enjoy watching, you know, reviews and videos of people playing and, and, and kind of talking about these games. But the weird thing is I don't play them all that often. So I, I probably get just as much enjoyment out of watching people and, and play these games and owning them than I do from actually playing them. So that's a bit of a weird one for you. But uh, does anything come to mind? What are any kind of weird habits or, or Something similar? Well, I guess, um, I mean, one thing that I, I had noticed just recently uh, in we're going through some renovations at home at the moment after a bit of a bit of water damage. And let me tell you, two, two married stylists working together on trying to repatriate a house is, is something that's just horrible. Um, but one of the things I did notice was I had to pack up a CD collection recently. Now, you know, for those of you who don't remember what CDs are, they're round pieces of <laughs> the shiny vinyl. Um, but... Um, I suddenly realised I must have had a terrible addiction to spending $30 at Brashes and Allen's and all those sort of places over periods of time because the collection I had there is fairly substantial and quite diverse. But it's amazing how much fun it is to get them back out and listen to them from start to finish, not on Spotify but just on a CD player. So I think I've actually geeked out on CDs again. In fact, I have CDs back in my car. So um, while I can connect Spotify to it, there's something about whacking a CD back in the car and listening to it from start to finish. So I think that's my oh. geek moment. Yeah, I like that one. That's a good one. Good answer. Yeah. I was going to say, yeah. if, you didn't have a, if you didn't have a satisfactory answer for me, I'd have to uh, get you to promise to a round three, but uh, yeah, maybe no, we'll do that anyway. I, I couldn't put <laughs> people through it again. Yeah, I know. I like it. Um, Adam, I want to say thank you for you coming on a second time and being so generous with your time and uh, your experiences and wisdom. Um, and if uh, anybody wants to follow along, um, I asked this last time, but give us the best um, place on social media to find yourself and, and shift. Okay, so most likely um, Instagram. Um, we do have a website, of course, um, and all over Facebook as well. So you can find us there at Shift Property Styling. Perfect. All right, thanks, Adam. Talk no soon. problems at all. Hey, listeners, I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. I am really trying to build this podcast to make sure it's valuable to you. So if you've gotten something from any of these episodes, I would really love it and really appreciate it if you could leave us a review, uh, but also let others know that it's worth listening to. Thank you and have a great day.